0: Adoption and expensive, two words that do not always belong together. There are 120,000 children in the United States that are waiting for a forever family, and adopting through this option is extremely affordable. I'm Marcy Bursack, an adoptive mom of a sibling pair, and also the author of The Forgotten Adoption Option. Twice monthly, I will interview people like adoptive parents and adopted children who've been touched by foster care adoption. My goal is to find more forever families and increase awareness about foster care adoption. Because if it were you or me, we would want someone to do this for us. Welcome to the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast. My husband Nathan is back helping to answer questions submitted by readers of my book, The Forgotten Adoption Option, and the Forgotten Adoption Option community on Facebook. Hi, Nathan. Hey, Marcy. That was a tongue twister. Forgotten adoption option.
1: Yeah, he did did well.
0: I guess all that talking fast pays off. Oh, okay. Before we get started, I think our listeners would highly benefit knowing that, Nathan, you're an elementary art teacher. So if your answers have that special teacher touch, they know where you get it.
1: That's what I'm good at.
0: (laughs) Okay. So we could kind of pretend this is a phone bank and we're taking calls. So let's just kind of have some fun with this, okay?
1: Sounds good. Phoebe, give us the first call. <laughs> he's,
0: he's pretending one of our dogs who can't actually hear can hear him. So let's see, caller number one. How do you decide which agency to partner with or to get licensed by?
1: That's a really good question. Um, you have to think about where what angle you're coming from if you are a faith-based person, you might try a Christian approach or contact um, your church to see what options they might know of. Uh, the state is always an option as well if you're not a faith-based person. Um, in our experience, we went through a faith-based organization that really worked well for us and our uh, situation. So if you are looking for something, you just got to keep calling around and asking till you find what works best for you and your situation.
0: So I think this question is asked because, so you have our book, which is out there and it's helping people understand the need and people go, okay, I want to help. And then this is the most complicated step because you don't know where to go. So I actually recently did some retooling on my website and now if you go under begin at forgottenadoptionoption.com, I have gotten you straight to where your options are because Nathan had some great great ideas about contact church or friends or keep calling and that sounds like, wow, I have to go through a lot of hoops to even get started. So hopefully what might get you a little bit of a faster path is if you click under begin, the very first link says find training, and it takes you to adoptuskids.org. So the forgotten adoption option is our own view and experience of how to go through this government process. And as a result, we're guiding you (laughs) to go figure this out. But the easiest place to start at adoptuskids.org, when you click on um, find training, is you can actually look up your state. The first thing you do is select state territory or tribe and you pick where you are and then it gives you a list of applicable agencies in your state. And that's at least a great place to get started. There's phone numbers, there's contact information. So AdoptUSKids.org is your friend. So is ForgottenAdoptionOption.com. So hopefully that helps you get a little bit of your wheels spinning a lot faster. Okay, so caller number two, back to our phone bank. How do you decide if you're equipped to parent children who have experienced trauma? And this person says, already having one biological child whom we've seen, who we've been able to control every aspect of his environment, I think we're second-guessing our abilities. I know that sounds terrible, but that's where we're at. And I think one of the things that I love in hearing from people who are thinking about adopting through foster care is the common kind of remark of, I kind of feel bad asking this. And if that's you, it is okay. Because there's a lot to think about and a lot of possibilities and a lot of possibilities that might be scary. And so it is okay if you feel just like this person that you know it sounds terrible and that's okay. Like Just know that we will help and encourage and support you in your normal So I don't, I'm thinking from my own perspective, how did I know that I was equipped? I don't know that I knew I was equipped. I think I knew that I was willing. And I'm thinking back, Nathan, to when you and I met our kids. We didn't really get to see any of their behaviors and even when you read on a few paragraphs or inches of paper. Like, it's only so much that's written and you really have to hang out with the kids to understand. And I think what I knew is that we wanted to help and somehow we would be able to lean on friends, family, our community and ask for help when and if needed, which we have. And so I think I didn't know that I was equipped. I just knew that I knew how to ask for help and I knew that it was safe to admit I didn't know what to do Um, And I think that's a lot of parenting, right? Like you don't actually know how to parent. There's not like a degree in parenting. Maybe we should do that, like have a special, you know, could you imagine if we had like universities where you got like your PhD in parenting, like there'd be so many different approaches. I'm totally being sarcastic here. Okay, Nathan, what's your answer to that? How do you know that you're equipped to parent children who have experienced trauma?
1: I have to agree with you about the being willing to do this um it's a choice so you have to be willing um to open your heart and to go through this experience you can read every single book out there you can take every single type of class and training on parenting and what to expect when you're expecting um But each child is different. They have their own personalities, and they come with their own uh, invisible suitcase that you're going to help unpack over time. And really, it's having that loving heart and the attitude of willing to do it. And like I've said before many times, you don't have to be the perfect person to be the perfect parent. I think
0: you stole that.
1: I did steal it, but it's something...
0: From an advertisement.
1: From an advertisement from kids. Just wanted to cite the source. (laughs) Yes, but I think it's a really good quote for people that are considering doing this whole process. Um, Having having a child biologically uh, does prepare you for some things, but... It may not prepare you for everything. So just be willing and open to work through things. And uh, you'll eventually get through it.
0: It's basically just get on the roller coaster and just... Just
1: be willing to get on the ride. That's, yeah. That's what it boils down to.
0: I agree. All right, caller number three. If you are adopting but not fostering, how long does the adoption process take once your home study is approved and you found a child you were interested in, before we answer this question, I want to clarify, because this, this language here is really important. If you're adopting or not fostering, you can get licensed to adopt children through foster care. And that's what we did. We got licensed to adopt, or you can get licensed to become a foster parent, and then you might end up adopting that way, um, which is a different story. So this person specifically saying, I want to adopt children through foster care. So the question is, how long Does the adoption process take once your home study is approved and you found a child
1: you were interested in? You could get a call pretty quick if everything's approved. I guess it's just a matter of getting matched with the potential child or children.
0: Do you remember how long it took us?
1: When, When everything finally got approved? Yeah. We got a call pretty quick.
0: So what I remember is... We were looking at profiles and I don't know how many we, so you get like this short profile, which is more like a paragraph and it's a few sentences and different social workers write them. So they're written a little bit differently, but essentially you get hair color and eye color and like a favorite toy. That's kind of what you get in a paragraph. And then yeah. for kids you're interested in, you, cause you're licensed, you can ask for their, what's called the long profile, which it's long, but sometimes long means five pages. And sometimes long means like.
1: Two paragraphs.
0: No, it means like 30 or 50 pages. I remember oh, reading through several that's true. profiles that were that's true. longer. Um, and so it really depends on how you feel about, because basically requesting a long profile doesn't mean you're pursuing that child or children. It just means you got more information. So sometimes we put our name in and sometimes we were like, okay, now that we know what we know, we're we just there were different things that didn't click. With those applications. So for us, man, I got to think about months here. So we were officially licensed, I think, in January. And I don't, I think this is in the book. We actually were one of two families that interviewed, it was pretty quick because we did some additional training, some elevated needs training, which meant like more intensive behavioral parenting classes because there was an older set of kids and they uh just had some additional needs so we took some classes and so that that made ours go longer and so we interviewed pretty quickly in that and the, the kids did get adopted by the other family which was incredible and there was an older son and that was a better fit for right. those kiddos but then we got a note that night believe it or not about our current children and then we met our current children they called us the following week on like thursday we met them on Saturday. They were five hours away. Our kids moved in the following week Thursday, so we might have been licensed like a month or two, so it really just depends on what you're you're matched with. but the, children have to live with you legally the way the process is written for six months,
1: yeah.
0: full time before you can go to court and adopt them. so even if you've been doing play dates or meeting at some like park for months that doesn't count, they have to physically live with you. For six months. So I know most people that go through foster care adoption, if they're looking through those profiles and they're interviewing and things like that, they're finding children rather quickly compared to maybe if you do the infant adoption route where you're having to make a home study and then have, be selected, be picked. So a few months, I guess, is the very, very short answer. It could be a few months or a few weeks.
1: Six months at the shortest.
0: Well, that's like if the kids move in day one.
1: That's true. So... So I'd say
0: like nine, nine to 12 months. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Okay, we helped call our number three. (laughs) All right. Uh, Number four. What's a good list of things to ask the child social worker when considering if a child is a good fit for your family? And then how do you find out all the important vital stuff you need to know? And do they hide stuff from you? These are really
1: good questions. This is a really good question. So
0: what I'm hearing, just to disseminate some of this, is... Um, When you're pursuing a child or children who are in foster care, that child has a social worker that like knows a lot about that particular kid and their situation. So what are things you would ask the children's social worker when considering if a child is a good fit for your family?
1: I think asking just regular questions, get-to-know-you questions about the children. Like what? Things that they like to do ages
0: maybe you early. don't remember this because you weren't on the phone so I got the phone call from our kid social worker oh okay. and the social worker's boss so I could ask anything and everything uh, I wanted to ask okay.
1: I was thinking more when we got to look at their case file
0: we asked clarifying questions okay so you're thinking during that time you're you're clarifying what you're reading in the file which I would agree what the social worker usually knows depending upon how long he or she is in the role and has been with your kid or kids they usually know the history of why the child's in care they might if they probably know the biological family because right. they're in different meetings so they can share a lot with you in relation mm-hmm. to what has happened yeah.
1: so you could ask you could ask background questions you could also ask
0: About the other foster homes they've lived in. About the
1: other foster homes they've lived in. If the children have experienced any sort of trauma that you need to be aware of. So hopefully the social worker has been with the children long enough that they know some of those background questions.
0: Other things you can ask the social worker would be things related to benefits. So we found out that there was like a clothing allowance that our state offered on a calendar year basis. So our social worker, the kid social worker, was able to share with us, like, hey, this hasn't been used for this calendar year, but it has for that or this much of it was. So mm-hmm. they know different resources that the kids might already be connected right. to or if they're eligible for those and resources.
1: This was while they were in foster care.
0: Right, because for the six months that they're going to live with you, they're still going to be considered in foster care. So you do have access yeah,
1: to certain things. So some of the benefits are a little bit different when they're still in foster care.
0: Right. Yeah, you don't get the clothing allowance once they're adopted, at least in Missouri.
1: Right. The other question talked about how do you find out about all the important vital stuff. The children usually have a large, well, depending on the situation, they have a case file. And you can request to see the case file.
0: You can't check it out like a you, library You can't books.
1: check it out and you can't make Xerox copies of the items. So there's that. However, you can ask for it and look at it as often as you want.
0: You can also so, ask questions. I you know you can also you,
1: ask lots of questions. You and
0: I, we still had to meet, because part of this process, too, is you have a social worker, like your licensing workers in your home, but then the kid's social worker, at least in our case, she came, or at least had a local person to us, came into our home. Um, so we could ask them questions, and sometimes she knew the answer, and sometimes she had to find out the answer, but sometimes just asking a question about the biological background kind of, like, spun into other information she would share. So sometimes it was just us trying to figure things out, and those questions, uh, an example would be, like, the race of our children. Like, we were filling out paperwork to enroll them in school, and that was a question. We're like, we don't actually know what to check here. So, Um, And some of the health stuff, you can see kind of the files Nathan was talking about. You could see the medical records, so we could learn about allergies and medications and things like that by reading through those files.
1: Yeah, and some of them were more detailed than others about the family members. So you could find some medical history about uh, the extended family, uh, whether or not they're still alive, um, also possibly any sort of medical conditions that could be genetic, like heart issues or uh, family history of depression or alcohol or drug abuse, things that are helpful um, for your children as they get older, because once once they're adopted, you no longer have access to that file anymore.
0: And then the last part of the question is, do they hide stuff from you? So meaning, do, do the social workers hide things from you? I have not had that experience. No. I feel like they were I, forthcoming. I
1: would hope that if they are a good social worker, they're not gonna, they're not gonna hide anything from you because the last thing they want is the kid to go back into care.
0: However, a family that I know that is adopting a sibling group, uh, they ran into some challenges where the social worker wasn't as Forthcoming. And this was kind of the situation of it's a group of four kids. They just wanted somewhere to place them quickly. They said yes. And then the social worker, I think, just kind of felt relieved and then didn't. And I laugh at like, ah, um, felt relieved and kind of didn't give them resources and wasn't proactive about it. So the soon to be adoptive mom, she's been having to advocate and ask for and run after the things that she knows she needs and these kids need. So I don't know that the social worker deliberately trying to hide the information from her, but it, it's not easy. And so in some situations, you do become the advocate for your yeah. children, which any parent is, right? right? Like, you and, know,
1: right? you're the voice for your child. The, and, qu- the questions. And and sometimes it might not be a case where the social worker is trying to withhold information. They might, they have a lot on their plate and they might just forget and forget the answer forget to ask a question or forget to tell you the information so it may not be that they're intentionally trying to hide things from you they might just it might have just slipped their mind a lot of the a lot of these social workers have a lot of children that they have to take care of
0: they have a large caseload yes sure all right question five between the time a child moves into your home to be adopted not as a fostering family but as an adoption only family And the official adoption day, are they allowed to call you mom and dad or do you, they have to wait until the adoption is official? Really great question because this is real.
1: Yeah, it is. When the children, when our children first came to uh, live with us, they called us um, Mr. Bursic or Mr. Nathan, (laughs) I'm called Mr. Bursick at school, but they called, they called us uh, Mr. Nathan and Mrs. Marcy.
0: But we had asked them. It was on the drive home. It was a long drive. And we had asked them what they would prefer to call us. Yeah. And they felt more comfortable.
1: And Yeah. And that was fine. And then over time, they eventually just started calling us mom and dad.
0: I was mommy Marcy for a while. Yeah.
1: Mommy Marcy. Yeah. That that was for a while. Um,
0: So I think it really is dependent upon... In our situation, it was the child's comfort level that really guided...
1: Right, when and and every situation could be different. You could have a child that doesn't ever call you mom or dad. Um, we know some families where the child calls them by their first name. Yeah, um, and they that and have. that works for their family. Um, and some children they might start calling you mommy and daddy right away, and they or it might take months or however long. I don't think there's any sort of official rule out there that says that they have to wait until you're adopted to call your mom and dad. No,
0: but I do think it's important kind of stepping out of the officialness of that question and thinking through as the adult in that scenario, I think it's important to be mindful of your heart. Like I know that deep down in all of us, like we want to feel connected and, and being called mom or being called dad can make us feel like, oh, they they want to be with me or how exciting we're family. And if if the child doesn't want to do that like it's not a blow to them loving you or wanting to be part of your family sometimes that's just kind of a process and to meet the child where they are i think is really helpful yeah. to let them feel good about giving you a title that may have already been used by someone else in their lives or they might just have a special name for you too mm-hmm.
1: yeah they could have a special some families call important people an aunt or an uncle and That could be something for you as well. Maybe the maybe the name mommy or daddy has negative uh symbolism for that child and maybe being an aunt or an uncle would be a more positive uh a positive name for a new adult or a more parent figure. So just kinda oh, we even know families they call, you know, uh grandma and grandpa. So there's that option as well, yeah, so whatever works for the kid, I think is probably best,
0: all right, and caller number six, how long did you search for the right child before you found the one <laughs> so
1: you're laughing. I laugh. I laugh only because of the the word the one i i i yeah it, I didn't have a picture in my head of what the child or children what are gonna look like i didn't have like a list written out no but
0: you were definitely like i like these profiles with one little kid or oh this little boy that we're I, doing respite care for we should see if it falls through with his grandma we should put our name in and i was like we were going for two and you're like but this little guy is so great i, so, I
1: got along really well with him we had did. a good time he was fun he was
0: we a had fun. a yeah, we time. had him twice he was great and we
1: did and we had a good time i i I I liked him and I hope he's still doing well.
0: I'm sure he is. He was doing an interstate adoption with a grandparent in Illinois, our neighboring state. And
1: hopefully it worked out real well for him. But for
0: us, I'm trying to think of, as we went through profiles, I mean, there's a lot of reading because you got to like weed through some information. I remember reading just pages and pages and pages of medical notes and behavioral notes and being like, oh my goodness, how do I decide? But I think you just kind of know, or you at least don't have a reason to not say, can I apply? Um, And you also, I think, I wish I would have known in advance that just because you asked to be considered doesn't mean you're going to be invited or even actually, um, like, invited to interview or selected as the adoptive parent. And I think just to recognize that that's okay and kind of already play, if I went back in time, I would go and I would pretend like I went and I applied and I wasn't picked so I could just feel that and think ahead about how I would respond in that moment and then also what it would be like to be picked because there's there's a lot. There's a lot in there because you're potentially offering to care for a child or children you may have never met and you're Making your, um, almost like your interview answers, like you're trying to make a compelling case for yourself and for this child, based upon what you're reading on paper, without any actual sight of said child. So it it's a lot. It
1: it is it is a lot. I. You have to. Marcy asked me when we were driving home after meeting our children for the first time. She asked the question, "Is there any reason why we would say no?" And I stopped and thought and I couldn't think of a good reason of why we would say no. So you have that you do have the time, that time period, the six months that you're spending with this child or children, and to and you're getting to know them, you're getting to understand their behaviors, you're getting you're getting to learn some about some of their experiences, you're getting to experience life with those children. And you're also deciding, is this a good fit for our family, your family? Um, so those are all questions that you have to ask. Uh, ultimately, I, I think, you know, if, if you're a person of faith, God's going to show you the right um, child for you and your family. Um, and if you're not a person of faith, check your heart um, because you you'll you'll know. Uh, if I don't know
0: if I them. knew though. Like I I don't know that I could tell you. Oh, I knew when we read their profiles. They were no, I didn't feel I that didn't, at all.
1: I think I, I didn't feel that way either from a profile, but I felt differently after experiencing some life with these children that I felt that so kind of got affirmed. Yeah, I felt a, a from a profile. I don't think that, but from a. Getting to get to know the children and experience some life with them, and do some things that a normal family. What's expected of a family? What you would do with children? Playing with them, taking them to park, playing games with them, taking them to school, sharing meals with them. When you're experiencing life with them, you can you can see how it's gonna work. So. So
0: what I'm hearing you say is. The right one isn't necessarily something you can see on a piece of paper or even that you would find out during the interview process. Like you might not know that you're really compatible or that this this is family for you until you meet the child. So it might take some time.
1: It may take some time. It may it may take some time. and.
0: Which I think is compatible to like thinking about a dating relationship, I, yeah. right? Like, and I
1: and I, I that's what I did not want to compare it to because it's a little ch- child or children. Fair. It's and not the same sort of. It's connection. not the same kind of thing, but like just like you would date someone, you are experiencing life with that person that you are dating, and you are trying to decide, you know, is this somebody I could spend the rest of my life with?
0: Like a level of commitment. You're like trying a to level decide. of
1: commitment, and with the with the children. Um. They're 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 gonna have their own experiences and their own little quirks and it's it's I think it's a much more difficult decision um, because it's a child. When you're in a dating relationship, you're dating another adult, and they have their own adult responsibilities. This is a child. So you got to really, you got to make a really hard, hard decision, tough decision that this commitment's like, you know, for the rest of your life, the rest of their life that you got with them. Like, you're still going to be a mom or a dad to these children. They're still going to look up to you when they're in their 20s, when they're in their 30s, things like that. So it, it's not just for the time they spend in your home. It's for the rest of your life and that's the commitment that you want to be willing to to make
0: all right well we answered our six callers which was i hope helpful for people and if you have additional questions maybe you're thinking about foster care adoption or you know someone that is we are more than happy to help point you and guide you and answer questions uh you can ask more at the Forgotten Adoption Option community on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook as well. And I think that if nothing else, you are now, if you are someone that has already adopted through foster care or you know someone, you now are equipped to share the information. So, Nathan, thanks for coming back on.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Marcy. I'm super glad to be able to be a part of your podcast. Again. Again. I don't know if you've had two, the same guest twice.
0: I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll have to see what happens well, in the future.
1: Well, thank you. I hope I get to do another Q&A sometime <laughs> in the future. Thanks.
0: As a listener of the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast, you are helping raise awareness about foster care adoption and the 120,000 children are waiting for a forever family. You can also help raise awareness by leaving a review, subscribing, sharing, talking about, and liking this podcast. If you'd like more information on adopting a child or sibling set through the foster care system, visit my website, ForgottenAdoptionOption.com. There you will find out how to get started, and you can even order a copy of my book, The Forgotten Adoption Option, which will guide you through the entire process and it is available in paperback, audio and ebook. I welcome you to reach out with questions, comments and your own story. I would love to hear if you're signing up for training or where you are in the adoption process. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Just search for Marcy Bursack. Thank you for tuning in, caring and sharing because every child deserves a family.